Hey, welcome everyone to the Financial Independence Podcast, the podcast where I dissect the brains of some of the best and brightest in personal finance to find out how they achieved financial independence. I'm your host, the Mad Scientist, and welcome to my laboratory. Wow, it's like you're really here with me. Um, you may notice some additional sound effects today, and that's all thanks to today's guest, which is my little brother, Brian. He was the mastermind behind my original podcast intro music, which is what you heard at the beginning of this episode. And I asked him to create some music that I could talk over when I'm doing intros just like this one. I was getting sick of just hearing my boring voice all the time, so now you can hear some sweet synth sounds underneath it, which I think is a lot better. Anyway, as I mentioned, I have my brother on the show today, and he's three years younger, and although he's not actively pursuing financial independence, he's done some really interesting things with money that I think people on the Pathify could learn a lot from. Not only that, he's actually a lot more frugal than I am, and he's really quite extreme with his frugality, which you'll soon hear about. So without further delay, this is an interview with my little brother Brian that we recorded next to a canal in Venice, Italy, actually. So I hope you enjoy it. Hey, brother. Hello. So before we start, let's set the scene a little bit. We are sitting here on a canal in Venice. We've been here for a couple of days eating a lot. And this is our last day in Venice before we move on to uh, more internal sections of Italy. And I figured what better place than canal side with a bottle of wine than to interview my brother. So thanks a lot for being here. Yeah, si, si. Uh, grazie a tu. <laughs> so my brother's been learning Italian, uh, doing his best. So um, before we start, I also want to thank you for creating the podcast intro music. I don't think anybody knows who actually made that, but you you were the master mastermind behind that. So I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I appreciate the opportunity. Actually, it's been uh, my best known work as of yet so thank you for thank you for letting people hear that yeah it's been downloaded and listened to over two million times um i haven't checked in a long time so it's probably like 2.5 million but yeah it's been a lot of plays of that music that's crazy so yeah and, and it's perfect like i asked you to create recreate thomas dolby's she blinded me with science but do it differently enough so i don't get sued and then obviously replace science with finance, and it's uh, it's way dorkier than I ever imagined it would be. Thanks. Yeah, it makes no sense musically, <laughs> so I'm glad it worked out. So I've wanted to get you on the show for a long time. Uh, you're not as obsessed with money as I have been my entire life, but you are good with money, and you do have an interesting story to tell as far as how money's allowed you to be a professional musician. So how would you say we differ when it comes to money? Well, uh, when you asked me to do the podcast a long time ago, I thought it was as an example of what not to do in life. But uh, no, I mean, from from just watching what you've done, and uh, it it's taught me how to be better with money. I, I'm, how do we differ with money? Um, I, I don't think about it, to be honest. I typically don't think about it, or at least, uh, you know, uh, probably five, ten years ago, I didn't think about it at all. Um, and then when I kind of got a better job where I was making more money then I started seeing what what's important and stuff like that through what you you know you've been doing with the mad scientist well no I I, th I disagree a little bit because let's let's go back to when you moved into your apartment in Pittsburgh because obviously you knew enough about money and prioritization to find a place where you could play drums which is what you love to do you've been playing drums since what you're 10 years old or something yeah and you needed a place to be able to do that in the city and you didn't want to have to travel out to the suburbs or anything but you also knew that 
prices in the city are expensive. So can you uh, just describe what you moved into when you uh, moved into your last apartment in Pittsburgh? Yeah, so as a drummer, I think it's impossible to find an apartment where you can practice and afford um, in in a city. So luckily, a rehearsal space I was using with one of my bands uh, was in this beautiful building downtown, uh, and the owner was very relaxed. um, And I asked him if I could live there. And he said, I just don't tell me what you do. You can live here. Just don't tell me what you're doing. So I moved into this empty storage room, basically. It was big, but uh, um, no amenities whatsoever, no utilities, really. Uh, there was one wall that had outlets all in all in a matter of two square feet, I would say, uh, where all my outlets or three outlets, and then no heat, uh, no water inside of the room. No shower, um, but I could practice drums, and it was three hundred and fifty dollars a month with you know including no utilities. <laughs> so, um, so it ended up being my dream place. I mean, it, I think to me, being able to practice and 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 uh, play in my house uh, was more important than having an outlet on every wall so that I could have a you know nice lamp everywhere or whatever you know. So, and, and yeah, so let me just reiterate this. So there was no toilet in the apartment. There was no sink in the apartment or did you have the sink at the time? No, it was right outside. No sink. Yeah. There was a sink right outside my apartment, but no hot water. And there was a toilet, what, three floors down in. So this is an abandoned building pretty much in uh, Pittsburgh that used, that has offices in it. So it was, some people would come in during the day, but for pretty much it was just you in that building. Yeah. For, for nights and weekends, it's, it was basically my building and, uh, which was amazing. And that, because I mean, practicing drums, everybody in the building could hear you. But, um, luckily during the day I was at work when people were in the building and then when people would leave the building, I would come home, practice, um, try and find water, <laughs> uh no yeah so it wasn't it wasn't that bad there was a shower on the second floor where my rehearsal space was for the band i was up on the seventh floor but the the owner who allowed me to stay there quickly sold the building probably within a year and a new owner came in and and demolished my my shower so that's when i moved to the buckets <laughs> So, yeah, he had an incredible amount of buckets. There was buckets for showering in. There was buckets for <laughs> going to the bathroom in. Well, yeah, I mean, the the, the bathroom bucket came later um, when I realized it was nicer to just, you know, it was only for, you know, code yellow. I would not, there was no solids. I took my solids elsewhere. But, um, yeah, so I would... I had a bucket for my dishes. I had a bucket for uh, my laundry that I would do, churn my laundry in, and um, and then a bucket I'd shower in. And I had a bag of a, a camping shower, basically a bag. I'd go harvest the water on the on the fifth floor where there was a hot water tank, and um, and then bring it up to my apartment and tie it to the ceiling. Get in the bucket. Now I didn't have heat either, so in the winters it was awful, and it was a three gallon bag that would run out very quickly. So you'd have to stop it while you lather and that's when you'd freeze and then you'd let the water run on you. And then, uh, yeah, it was, it was miserable, but I could afford it. I could save money at that, you know, with that apartment, I could save money and I could, I could practice, which was the biggest thing. I practiced every day so much because of that place. And so I'm really thankful for it. 
Yeah, and you had drum sets up there. You had a marimba. You had pianos. You had congas. You had Indian drums, tabla. You had loads of instruments in there, and there's no way that would have fit in some normal Pittsburgh apartment. So I also want to say, like, it sounds really bad, but it was actually a lot nicer than I expected. When you said you were moving to somewhere like that, I was actually really worried about you, and it sounded awful. And but when I came, it was actually pretty cool. You'd have to get into a freight elevator to get up there, which was like a cool, like probably like Brooklyn loft space thing. That it was actually really cool, and the space was really nice and bright. And then it kept getting better over the years, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so when I first moved in there, I brought an ex-girlfriend with me, and she she started crying uh, when she saw it, and she just kept saying, what is your mom going to think? Because there was nothing but filing cabinets in the space, in the area. And so they took the filing cabinets out, of course. And then... Um, and then the new owner, you know, I thought I was going to be evicted pretty soon because it wasn't, you know, necessarily legal to live there because it wasn't zoned residential. But the owner just, you know, kept it quiet and uh, he gave me more outlets. You know, he eventually put electricity in. And then about two years ago, I got heat and air conditioning, which was it just blew my mind. And then the best part was about a year ago, he put in a toilet, a functioning toilet and hot water tank in my room and i i cried and i asked the plumber while he was installing it if anybody ever said you're a miracle worker and he said no he said no but i i it was it was the best experience so explain how how you took a shower eventually when i got the running water um i had a hose that ran from the the spigot was what we called in pittsburgh i don't know how uh, the faucet the fa- yeah uh, a hose running from the faucet to a shower head that I made out of PVC pipe that my dad made for me. Yeah, my dad made a uh, a big shower enclosure out of PV- PVC pipe that was actually pretty impressive. Yeah, it was amazing. It was the best shower. And um, and then a bucket inside of that, and I would stand in the bucket, shower curtains all around me, and flip a nozzle on the faucet that would redirect the water to the shower nozzle, the shower head, and... I would stand in the bucket, then I had a foot pump in the bucket with me that um, that I would step on while I'm showering, and that had a hose that would lead to a bucket outside of my bucket <laughs> that would put the water in there. So I had two buckets waiting for the water, so I'd have to switch the hose mid-shower um, because the one bucket would fill up. And then I would use that water to, to flush my toilet. Um, and that system, same with the laundry. Laundry was, a, I had a bucket that, it was basically a salad spinner. I would put my wash in there, which was basically three boxers, three pairs of boxers max is what I could do, or one pair of pants. And then I would churn that, you know, <clears throat> I would get exhausted. But I, it was just, you know, it was like living a pretend life. And that was what was so much fun about it. Like it wasn't, it didn't feel real. Every time I do it, it was, it just made me happy because it was like, it was a way to do something that's so easy for most people, but then you really appreciate it when you think about what you're actually doing, like taking a, you know, taking a shower and f- seeing where the water goes and, you know, having to do something with it. It's, it was really fun, and I'm going to miss that a lot. So how long were you actually in that apartment for? I was there for seven years. Seven years, yeah. So seven years, and you're 32 now. You know, someone in their mid-20s, I don't know how many people would make that decision, so... Why did you not think, why don't I just go into a bunch of debt and have this really nice fancy place in the city and have a bunch of space? And why did that never cross your mind? I don't know. I guess, uh, I don't know if it's the way we grew up um, where, 
we weren't we weren't really given like a credit card at a young age or anything like that. I don't know why I didn't think debt was uh, an option for some reason. I just I thought live within my means and hope it gets better. And yeah, and it pretty much did. I mean, if I had gone into a lot of debt then I don't think I would be sitting in Italy right now, you know, so. Yeah, and that's a really interesting story, too, and we're definitely going to come to that because, yeah, what you're doing now is amazing and not many people could do that at your age, which is a testament to how you've been able to save and your choices with money. So so you're living in a place where you could practice all the time to any hours of the night that you wanted to put in a lot of work to get better at all the percussion things that you're doing and you're working at the time. So can you just, like, describe a bit what you're doing so back then I was working um, at a flower shop when I first moved in there. And uh, so I wasn't making much at all. And there was no really working up in that company. Then I wasn't really saving any money, but I wasn't, I was living way more comfortably in a place that I loved and, and was able to practice. So I knew I could get better and go towards something I wanted. Um, but then I, then I got a new job that paid more money and, uh, and, now, because I maintained the same quality of life from when I was working at the flower shop, I was able to to start putting money away for whatever. I didn't know what I needed. I didn't, you know, as a musician, you just want more gear. Um, so I was probably saving for a drum, new drum or a new drum set or something like that. But really, I didn't know what. So I was just saving, which was nice. So saving for new gear. Um, that's maybe something we should touch on because I think a lot of people in the creative fields are always looking for that next thing. I know me personally, it was like, Oh, what's the next synthesizer I could buy? That would be really sweet and make me even better at what I'm doing. And I'm sure it's the same with a lot of different arts. Um, so how did you overcome that urge? Well, luckily I think it was the job that I got that, that the job that allowed me to make a little more money to save was also a job in the instrument selling arena. So I was mainly dealing with customer service aspects of, of selling drum parts for custom drum builders and stuff like that. And just, uh, people, you know, general instruments for, you know, musicians and stuff. And so seeing the amount of people that were obsessed with the wrong thing, you know, like seeing people call and complain that, you know, something, it was, the drumsticks were an ounce off or something, you know, crazy and complaining about that made me realize these people are not focused on the right thing. They're focused on like these, these elements that have nothing to do with music or getting better. And that made me not want to spend money on gear and, and kind of save my money for, for more experiences. Or if I needed to, if I needed to take off work for a musical job, um, I would have that safety where I could could leave my work and do a, a not, pay, not maybe not that well paid gig, you know. Yeah, I want I definitely want to talk about that because you've utilized the power that your money and your savings gives you, and you've utilized it quite a few times in your career, which has been really good to see. Um, and I know we talked about it before you made that first demand at your work. So can you talk a little bit about what you did when you were thinking about? going down to Hilton Head to play some Broadway type shows. Yeah. So that was, so I got an offer. Um, I'd, I'd worked back in the end of high school, uh, early college with a producer who did, uh, you know, Broadway tours and stuff like that. Um, so I did a, a run with him and he was living in Hilton Head and he said, we're doing a production. We need a drummer. Can you come down for two weeks? Now I didn't have 
two weeks worth of vacation time and I was really torn because it's a dream of mine to play musicals and travel um, so that was that was my in there and I called you I think and said you know what should I do and you said you know when you're when you're a good employee um, you have all the power because it's it's hard to find good employees and it's uh, and just tell your bosses you need two two weeks off and don't don't worry about it. I had the savings, you know, already. So if if they said no and I still wanted to do it, I would be fine. So I I went into work and said, yeah, I, I have an opportunity. I'd really appreciate some time off for it. And they let me. And then I went down, came back, and while I was down there, I got another opportunity to come back like two months later to play for a month long show. Now my bosses did not like that one. <laughs> so when I got back, I said, okay, I'm doing it again. And they said no. And I said, okay, I'm still going. And then they said, okay, you can come back and you can work remotely. So, so it worked out great. I know, that was great. I actually visited you and you were put up in this amazing beach house with a bunch of other really cool and interesting people and you're living on a beach for a month free and playing, what, a couple shows a night or something? Yeah, yeah, we were doing at least a show a day, so uh, two shows on you know one of the days. So. And you're working remotely, so still getting paid and... Working in quotes, you can't see the. <laughs> I taught, yeah, I, I taught him that that was the that was the the key thing when you're working remotely. Every time you say working, you have to do air quotes. And yeah, so had you not had any savings, that would have never been possible because they said no right off the bat. Yeah, that wouldn't have been as soon as they w- had said no. I would have had to say, okay, I won't do that, and I will stay here, and I'm yours for you know because I I wouldn't have had an option. And since your expenses were low. Since you obviously had worked your way into a, a very low cost of living situation, you know, you had five figures saved up and that could have lasted you for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really, you know, I'm trying to think. I didn't have a car payment. You know, I, I when I needed a car, I bought I bought it with cash that I had saved up. So um, that was the most important thing about buying a car for me was not going into debt for that. I, I don't really see, yeah, there's, I don't, see any reason to want to go into debt you know there's nothing that i want bad enough to be in debt for so so yeah not having debt and not and having a low cost of living made it made all of that possible all that traveling possible and now here we are in venice on a small little waterway in venice it's beautiful i'll put some pictures in the show notes and you haven't had a job for how long now four months four months it's been since i've had a job so yeah i'm tasting the retirement life i'm not i'm not there i haven't reached phi um but i'm i'm tasting it and it, it tastes delicious uh, <laughs> so yeah so let's discuss that decision and how all of this came about so you, i mean again that's uh, from having the savings the low cost of living and no no debt it came from me not necessarily being happy at where i was working unfortunately because of the legal reasons with with my living situation the owner of my building started getting worried that there would be, you know, people asking questions and stuff about me living there. So he asked, you know, if I could move out, and which I was fine with. We're, we're, we're still good friends and stuff. There was no hard feelings. But it was the saddest thing for me because I'd, I'd lived there, struggled there for seven years and loved it so much. So, so moving to just a regular house or trying to find another apartment was just not what I wanted to do. Um, and then you and Jill offered to to have me come out and stay in scotland for a little bit and uh and i here i am i still haven't left 
<laughs> I don't know how you guys are feeling about it, but I saved up money to to try and buy a house. And then I realized I, I there's no reason for me to buy a house right now. I, I, there's nothing holding me there, and I want to travel, and I have the savings. So I was able to, to leave my job and, yeah, live off my savings for a good amount of time, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've you've been living on it for a while, and you have hardly made a dent in it, which is must feel pretty good. Yeah, it feels great. I mean, I... I it's a lot to you and Jill for letting me stay, you know, with you guys. Um, no, it's fun for us. Like we're, uh, we're super excited to have you and yeah, it's nice having some, uh, company in, <laughs> in early retirement when everybody else is at work when Jill's working, all our friends are working. So, so we get to go to the gym, get huge and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's another thing when we were talking about appreciating things uh, that you brought up was how much you appreciate relaxing after you do something like going to the gym and like how nice this is, how much like sitting out and having a glass of wine after doing some, some work and stuff. So, Speaking of Jill, she's sitting here, uh, taking pictures and she's shaking her head now, but, uh, how's it been living with your brother-in-law for the last like four months? It has been wonderful. It's made me appreciate him a lot more (laughs) and he can stay as long as he wants. Thanks, Jill. No, it's been great. So we've we've actually done a lot of cool stuff. We've been to Portugal. We've gone down to London. Now we're in Italy. And, and yeah, let's talk about your Italy thing. So you've been learning Italian over the last few years, and you just spent what two and a half weeks at an intensive language program. See, si, see, si. uh, yes, I, that means yes. Uh, I have been. <laughs> uh, I've always wanted to learn Italian since I since probably ten years ago. I wanted to learn Italian, so I figured. I have this time. I'm already in Scotland. It's 20 euro to fly to, or 20 pounds to fly to Italy. And then doing the two week course, it's just something I would want to invest my money. That's, that was worth investing my money. And, you know, yeah. And then I got to come over and meet all your language learning friends. And it was, it was really cool. It was a, it was a really, it is amazing how integrated into that society you seem to get in just two weeks. And, I know you've said to me personally that that's a great way to travel. Can you just talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, I I, I can't really say I learned a lot of Italian. <laughs> I'm pretty awful still. Uh, it's a lot harder than I thought. Duolingo was telling me I was 43% fluent, and that's there's no way I'm 43% fluent. But this, this is a good story, actually. So, so I'd be doing something when Brian was living with us over in Scotland. I would... Uh, I'd be doing something on my computer in the morning, and he'd be doing his Italian, and then he'd say over to me, he's like, oh, 43% fluent, and I'd laugh and make a joke and say something like, yeah, right, and I thought he was laughing with me, but (laughs) he actually wasn't. He thought he was 43% fluent, so in his mind, he was going to come over here in two weeks, and two weeks, just top it off, (laughs) top it off in two weeks, and be 100% fluent, Um, but that it isn't how it exactly worked out. No, I'm off. I'm even worse than when I came here for some reason because it's killed my confidence completely. And I just I just panic every time I walk into a restaurant. I actually the first night I was here, I in Italy by myself, I walked out of a restaurant because the lady looked too Italian for me to handle like I she wouldn't have any patience for my awful Italian. So, uh but no, the, the yeah, traveling, the experience of traveling um like this has been been amazing because uh, it, normally it takes a long time to kind of make friends and you know I I have been in Pittsburgh for so many years and the only way I've made friends is through bands you know joining bands and stuff and that's years of playing with different people uh, going to Italy 
within the first two nights of, of being here, I was living with a person, you know, my host family, which was just a guy in his 30s, musician as well. Uh, we became friends really quickly, and then he took me out with his friends, and then it was just a group of us that got along, and it was so even more important than learning the Italian. I think was making the connections of and inter- having the interactions, and just having a great experience like that. I know you met some people, and you may be like one guy needs a drummer in Paris, and you may go and explore that, and there's another guy in London, and yeah, it seems like you've met a lot of good contacts. Yeah, it's great. It's great having an open life almost you know whatever i'm open-ended i can go anywhere right now and uh so you've had about four months of this early retirement lifestyle is there any anything you've noticed or taken away from it being an observer of like what i'm the lifestyle i'm living or just feeling that level of freedom is there any thoughts or for me recently it's hard to leave the vacation mindset of it because um one i'm i'm I immediately left my home and went to another country. So automatically right there, it feels like a vacation. It doesn't feel like I've just quit my job and still maintaining my life. Everything changed as soon as I quit my job. Uh, so it's hard to get out of the vacation mindset and actually get serious about that. I need to, I need to find my next step, you know, in life. So that's been hard because your, your, your life is so open after you leave work. It's, it seems like it's, overwhelming to organize you know you, you i think you really have to work on organization per, personal organization because i i'm not very good at that i always you i told you i would i would just have meltdowns when i when we'd scheduled shows for my the bands i'm in because i'd never write anything down because i didn't want to believe that i had to go do it for some reason i don't know why uh, it always stressed me out so getting organized is is a hard thing for me um so i i'm gonna have to work on that so how do you think you differ from your musician friends? Do you, as far as how you've handled your finances, like I'm sure you probably don't talk about that stuff with them, but just have you got a feel for how other musicians handle life and maybe not earning a steady paycheck? I, I think out of my musician friends, the, the, most of them are trained, you know, classical or jazz background and then mostly play rock around town and stuff like that. Um, those guys struggle i mean they're i think a lot of them are kind of in the gear mindset as well even though they're great musicians they still want the next thing and they spend they tend to spend money on that or it's unfair for me to say i was just a musician at the time because i did have that job where i was you know um do do a lot of your musician friends not have a, a day job a lot of them don't a lot of them teach for you know so they would teach i would go to my nine to five job and and work on customer service and i know they they're more paycheck to paycheck there's not much of a savings and they also tend to be more uh oriented towards getting new gear as well you know which doesn't seem to make sense and um, that's the funny thing when i had less money I i would search more for new gear and want that more when i didn't have money and then when i had a little bit of a savings account I didn't want to. I didn't want to spend it on gear and stuff like that. So I think that's maybe their mindset. I can't really speak for them, but I know they teach, and it's more paycheck to paycheck for them. So, what were your thoughts on a day job? Do you obviously it's allowed you to do this, and who knows where this will lead? And it's potentially lots of opportunities, and maybe something completely life changing that you decide to do after this, just based on the context and the things that you're doing now. So, do you think the day job? Are you happy you went the day job route? 
I'm happy I saved while I had a day job. I don't, I think that's why I left it because I did miss, I, I, I kind of do miss the struggle in, in a way because it makes you more creative on how to live. You know, like when I, when I was struggling, I found this, you know, I found this apartment with no shower and that, that led to such great things when, but now I, you know, now I could go into debt or spend all my savings on a really nice apartment and struggle to find a job to maintain that lifestyle. I would prefer to not go back to a day job and maybe have to be more creative with how I spend my money and how I, how I make money. But yeah, I, I would prefer not to go back to a day job. So yeah, that's, it's, we can transition to like what you're thinking about in the future. Um, but we haven't really even talked about like what you've done in the past. So you're, you're a classically trained percussionist. So you've played operas in Italy. You've done musical theater down in Hilton Head. You've toured America with rock bands like Love Drug. You've you've played congas with Rusted Root. Yeah, the, my I th- I think the ultimate experience was the cowbell. I did get to play cowbell with two of the original members of Blue Oyster Cult on Don't Fear the Reaper. So, for the people who have seen the Will Ferrell sketch of uh, him playing cow- cowbell in the studio with Christopher Walken on Saturday Night Live. That was my brother. Yeah, I was I was slightly inebriated during that. Um, I was hired to play keyboards on another song um, with with the band Blue Coop. Um, it's a bass player from Alice Cooper, and then two of the members from Blue Oyster Cult. And so I was playing keys with them on one song, and went up to the drummer and asked, "Could I play cowbell on Don't Fear the Reaper?" And he's like, you know, we would love to have you, but we don't have an extra cowbell. And I was like, don't worry. I got mine in the car. <laughs> I ran out and got it. And I don't know if they wanted it, but I played the entire song over top of even when I wasn't supposed to. Yeah. Sadly, we still haven't tracked down a video of that, but I have a picture of you. It was a very bad picture, but you, I can see you very sweaty and really intensely smacking the shit out of a cowbell. Yeah, yeah, it was one of the best experiences of my life, I'd say. So, yeah. so you've done all these various things with music. Where do you go from here? What's your ideal future looking like in the next six months, year? I, I think it's exactly what I've experienced so far, mixing the two. Using music to live the retired life of travel. That's what I experienced with the doing the musical theater stuff in Hilton Head. Was like at night, every day was like vacation, but then you'd go for two hours and play a show, which I loved playing. So that was the work. That was what paid me. And then you were just living a life of of, of retirement, basically. You know. So I think combining those two things would be my ultimate dream: is travel, playing music. I feel. I feel most confident and most alive if I'm in a new place and I'm there with the purpose of playing music. So if there's any way I can do that, which I know there is, I know people that do that, I don't know how to get into that right now. I'm just, that's what I'm trying to figure out while I have this free time, you know. Which you came up with a really good idea. Like, Well, one, we have some friends in London who are in the West End Theater in a musical capacity and um, who we're going to chat to about it. But you also had a really good idea of taking lessons with people in the job that you want. Yeah, exactly. So at this point in life, after school, after studying, it's all about who you know, pretty much. So moving to a city where there's there's things that you want to do, you have to get involved in that community in that city. Um, So for example, moving or going to London and taking some lessons with somebody who's in the theater industry 
um, that's the perfect way to get into that industry. Because you said, you know, they get a lot of requests to play and obviously they can't do everything. So when they can't do everything, they think, oh, who could do this? Oh, yeah, Brian, my student, because he's amazing and... I know he's amazing because I've taught him. And yeah, I mean, I, a lot of the times when I mean, back when I was in in middle school and high school, when I would, um, when I was taking lessons from the big guy in Charlotte, I mean, he would say that he would say, not based off of my playing, he would say I'm easy to work with. You know, that's very important. I think uh, being easy to work with that he I would get a job because of that because I'm I show up on time and and you're easy to work with. Now, I would like to get a job because I'm good at playing too. I don't but uh, that's something I've learned as well just in my career as a software developer is like a lot of people can do the job, but a lot of people are just really terrible to work with. And if you've got like I told you before like you're in the top 1% of drummers anyway, the fact that you're not an egomaniac and you are easy to work with is going to yeah make it an easy choice for a lot of people. So yes, we had talked about all the amazing musical things you've done, but we forgot that you were the drummer of Junkstar way back in the 90s, right? Yeah, yeah, that's where it all started, actually. North Carolina Junkstar circa 1998? I don't even know. No, no, because... I- because I was in middle school, and you were in elementary school, so it was my eighth grade talent show. Yeah, I was in elementary school. Holy crap, yeah. So Brian was in elementary school, and he was our drummer, and he came in, came up to middle school one day for the big talent show, and we played a Nirvana song, I think? Yeah, Territorial Pissings. We had to change the name because they wouldn't let us play it. <laughs> That's right. We weren't allowed to say the name, but we played it. And yeah, everybody's like, who's this elementary school kid that came up here and just shredded on the drum? So, so yeah, I, I forgot to, to highlight that incredible achievement. Uh, yeah, I had a drum solo. I just remember I had a drum solo, and then you came around while I was playing my drum solo and started petting the back of my head. <laughs> made me screw up while I was in it. I was like, what is happening? It's all about the performance. It's a performance element that the people just ate, ate it up. Yeah. <laughs> we sadly didn't win. I think we were quite loud. We got the loudest. I think we won loudest. <laughs> we were loud, and I was singing, which was a big mistake. Puberty. You were going through puberty. It was, yeah, it was. It was squeaky. It was, squeaky. <laughs> it was high anyway. Like there. Yeah. I, I probably yeah. Had it been pre-puberty, I think it would have been all right. But it was either borderline or after, and there was no way I could scream like Kurt Cobain. So. Oh, no. No. No, you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so you're thinking touring as a musician now, is that musical theater? Is that more in the rock band sort of area? Or you, do you have a preference? I, I think um, I like the professionalism of, of the musical theater industry. I mean, with musical theater, if you get a, an international tour or national tour or something like that, you get benefits, you know, you get a retirement fund i've never had that you know so that would be super exciting and i love i love the idea of playing the same show every night and trying to get better at that um and then being in a new city with a group of people that you're traveling with you know i like that um rock touring with a rock band um that would be great but i think that would be more more of a struggle and more of uh, less organized, le- you know, less professional. Not not that it's not professional, but less professionally oriented. You know, where I wouldn't have a f- retirement, I wouldn't have health insurance from the rock band tour. So, I mean, I, I, I'm happy to do any, either of those as long as I can maintain my life. So you've you're you're tapping into your savings. You really haven't made too much of a dent. Maybe fifteen percent or something so far, and it's been a good four and a half months of living off of it. And I know you said to me that you're thinking about 
maybe going part-time when you get back to the States. So maybe talk about what your immediate plans are. Yeah, I think I do need to get back, start practicing again, and and start figuring out the actual plan for how I'm going to make this what I've what I've discovered here. You know, being here and enjoying how how you live. You know, how you guys live, you and Jill. And um, um, I, after discovering that, I want to figure out a plan to make that work. And I think that will involve part time work so that I can maintain. Uh, so I don't have to deplete my savings you know i don't want i don't want that gone i like the safety net of having that because again like you taught me you have power when you have that safety you know so i don't want to get rid of that yeah power and choices definitely so i know you're not really pursuing financial independence or early retirement or anything like that but you obviously are good at money to be able to do something like this when a lot of your peers probably as you said are paycheck to paycheck so do you have any advice for somebody on the path to financial independence or early retirement? Yeah, I, I mean, for me personally, I, I think the hardest thing, but living, living in America, you get taught that your happiness involves acquiring things, you know? So um, it's hard to look past that, but not spending money on silly things and uh, like gear and stuff and spending money on life experiences and then saving the rest to, to, to get to financial independence, I think is, is, super important and yeah i th- that's what i've learned from listening to the podcast and, and reading your blog and stuff like that it's it's helped me because i wouldn't be i wouldn't be i don't think i would have saved without you doing mad scientist stuff you know so really yeah i don't think so uh no no i would have gone into debt <laughs> really? probably i think i yeah i think i probably would have just not cared at all about money and just feared yeah that feared that Slowly. way yeah yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I never grew up with it, but it's just something you see everywhere, you know? So I, I think it would have been hard for me because I see friends like buying the brand brand new Mac, you know, and they can't afford it. And it blows my mind, but it blows my mind, I think, because I've seen how you you work with money and you deal with stuff. And uh, yes, <laughs> so, so yeah, that just reminded me like. You have been pretty cold in our apartment sometimes. Oh, yeah. Well, Jill, thank God, bought us onesies um, that keep us warm because we don't use the heat that much. <laughs> so is there anything... So so my life, obviously, to me, feels really normal. And, you know, I guess when Jill, like, questioned things, then it makes me question them a little bit. But still, it's not like I have that much feedback. So is there anything else in my life that's really quite extreme or weird or bad? No, I mean, I, yeah, the the heating is weird, but I think that's a Scotland thing because it seems like everywhere in Scotland the, the the heating is not great, but people tend to keep it on more. I think that's a funny thing going to Scotland. I never heard so many people be like, "Should we turn the heat on? Should we turn the heat on everywhere we're going?" Because in America, it's just like oh, if heat's running constantly. It's got to maintain a seventy-two degree temperature <laughs> in the house Fahrenheit, and uh, but no, I. Yeah, it it stays pretty cold. That would be the strangest thing I'm thinking. Yeah, but the onesies have changed everything. Changed everything in my life. Yeah, yeah. Which I've I talked about this with Mrs. Frugalwoods, and that episode is going to come out after this one. But so stay tuned for that. But yeah, they really probably the best investment that Jill has ever made. Uh, she bought it. She uh, Brandon and I didn't believe it, and we were always freezing, and she was always warm because her parents bought her a onesie. So she bought us ones as a surprise, and we've they've obviously paid for themselves with the amount of heat we've saved, but 
the amount of enjoyment is just priceless. Yeah, I mean, they look great. I took the last band picture I did with for Love Drug was I used the onesie as my my costume, and uh, and then I, I wish I had that back when I had no heat in my apartment because I I used space heaters uh, for for five years, you know, in my apartment. Um, so if I had that onesie, I could have freed up one of my three outlets, you know, for something else. <laughs> Well, this has been great. I really appreciate it. We've gone through three glasses of wine since we've sat here. Um, I have been stopping the recording every now and then to refill, and it is getting cold. It is um, January in Venice, which has actually been a really nice day. It's nice and sunny, as you'll see in the pictures in the show notes, but it is a bit chilly, so we are going to sign off. So, yeah, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to sit here and uh, chat with me, and I look forward to your new intro music. So I've commissioned my brother to add a little bit of uh jazz to my intro because i'm uh i'm tired of just talking and uh not having any background music so in addition to the the brilliant like three second intro we're gonna have a little uh synthesizer background music hopefully to uh to accompany my intro for the guests so hopefully we'll get that done for this episode which yeah maybe we will yeah yeah and i i appreciate you letting me live with you and, and feeding me and yeah i appreciate no I, I appreciate everything honestly it's been great no it's been great we've we've loved having you so yeah thanks for doing this and uh so long ciao <laughs> finance I <laughs> just spit on your computer. Sorry. Um, so yeah, I, we we had five. <laughs> Do you want me to get, <laughs> get a napkin? <laughs> oh, you just smushed it in. What was that? Just a chip. A chip. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Are we still recording? <laughs>